Welcome to The Edge, the official podcast of Bass Edge, brought to you by our good friends at Ditch Ridge, proud to support the sport you love. I am Aaron Martin, and with me is special guest, Kurt Dove, who is filling in for Steve Brigman this week on assignment. Kurt, how are you doing, my friend? Aaron, I'm doing awesome. I couldn't be better. I'm uh, enjoying the fishing down here at Lake Amistad. Really loving my time being spent here uh, guiding. I'm doing just great. I can't be more excited to be here on the edge today. I'm really excited about this show, actually. I know we've got BASS Elite Pro Casey Ashley's on board to discuss fishing a jig. And uh, a little bit later, we're going to talk to Jake Davis of Secret Weapon Lures. He's going to tell us about their new approach to drop shotting. I'm really interested to hear about that. We do a lot of that down here at Amistad. So uh, let's get rolling. This is going to be fun. Let's do it. Get her like that with one. Good job. Yeah, I don't know of any other sport that offers the challenge of bass fishing better. Oh, did you just see yes, that? Yes, I saw that. That was awesome. <laughs> Watch for the fish to pace the bait. What do you think of that, huh? Yeah. That's full contact fishing right Man. there. You're listening to The Edge, the official audio program of Bass Edge. Kurt, I just want to say welcome aboard and really thanks for covering while Steve is actually out on, quote, assignment. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure what his assignment is this week. Uh, a little bird told me he might be headed out to Lake Fork to do a little fishing. I think that's the case. That is the case, and I can promise you, uh, you know, I expected maybe to get a phone call, you know, while we're in here slaving away at the studio, but uh, maybe that's not going to happen. I'm sure we'll be getting some texted pictures or, or something like that. You, you can be rest assured that uh, he's going to make us pay. Well, I'm sure Fork's going to produce them out for him this week, so uh, we'll be looking forward to uh, maybe talking about that a little bit later. Absolutely. Look forward to that. And, you know, before we kind of dive off into the rest of the interview, I do want to throw out a couple reminders. Uh, actually, the Pond Boss, Bob Lust, many of you know, who is part of uh, Bass Edge here, not only on the Edge, mm-hmm. but also on the television show, he has actually has a conference coming up at uh, Big Cedar Lodge in September uh, the 17th through the 19th, and I would encourage people, uh, if they are interested in managing private waters or have a body of water, a lot of great biologists going to be at that. And then also the big bass tour close to your neck of the woods. Of course, Texas is a big state, but uh, sure. Lake Louisville, nine this actually the September 25th through the 26th. So a couple of housekeeping items get out of the way, but make sure that uh, you get those on your schedule and certainly get on the website. Uh, yeah, I'd love to go see him at Big Cedar Lodge, go fish a little table rock while you're there, and uh, you can make a whole vacation out of that. <laughs> yeah, and, and write it off as a tax write-off is kind of what I was thinking. <laughs> so, But, you know, here we are, Kurt, the latter part of July, and uh, the heat is, is pretty much bearing down uh, in all parts of the country. And I just wanted to spend some time really for you and I to kind of hash out what some of our you know more productive and favorite ways to target bass this time of year why don't you kind of start off the, the crusade here? Sure. You know, this this time of year, the my, my favorite way to catch them is, is um, topwater fishing. I mean, there there's you hear it so many times that there's nothing more exciting but uh, just just watching that bait on top of the water, being able to see the fish strike that, that lure. That is, this is a great time of year to really start probing for those schooling fish. You know, the summer's starting to get real hot. The bait gets up there in the open water, and, and the fish follow right out with them. And, uh my favorite way this time of year is definitely throwing that topwater bait. I like to throw the spook, the Zor spook, uh, head and bait, and then also the uh, the Sammy Luckcraft bait. All those topwaters are, are just great, you know, kind of 
seeking baits, you know, you can cover a lot of water with them, and um, they start exploding on top. July is a great time to start working that all the way through August and September as well. Well, I couldn't agree more. And, you know, of course, you and I both are often asked, what's what's the best way that we like to target bass? And, of course, however they're biting is, is the obvious answer. But certainly I think my most favorite way to participate in is when they are reacting to that top water. Coming up, you remember the show, Kurt, that we had there in Minnesota? Yeah. Kind of mining that vegetation and, and just seeing those fish come up through that matted vegetation and that rice grass. I agree. I, I think – what a better way to catch bass. It's really exciting. And, and people, you know, they look at topwater and, and they think, well, if you throw a pop bar out there, if you throw a Zora spook or, or a Sammy or, you know, any kind of those walking type baits or, or a frog like we did in Minnesota, then, um, you know, they've kind of thrown the topwater out there and seeing if it's effective. It's really important to throw all different types of topwater. You know, the fish are just going to react just like a wide wobbling crankbait or a flat you know, wobbling crankbait that doesn't wobble quite as wide, um, you know, they're going to react to different things. So it's important to try those different kind of topwaters, you know, the slower moving ones, the pop bar, chug bug, the faster moving ones like the spook and frogs uh, can be worked both slow and fast. But creating those different presentations can really be key to really finding out how they want the bait presented so that we can catch those topwater fish this time of year. Well, good point. And, you know, one of the other things that I want to throw out there is the fallacy that topwater, you know, you can't use it throughout the course of the day. And certainly we have seen that time and time again to where you pick that up. Maybe if it's a buzz bait in stained water or frog and mm-hmm. matted vegetation, you know, it's it's an effective way to target bass uh, from dusk till dawn. You're exactly right. One thing I've really found with topwater fishing, especially schooling fish, a lot of times, you know, you, you see those schooling fish this time of year in July and August, and you're in casting range and you cast over there, but you just can't get them to come up and react to your bait. A lot of times, a, a great backup presentation is a Carolina rig. Those fish are, are moving around and moving up in the top of that water column, but if you throw a Carolina rig out there with a little bit lighter weight, that'll move slowly down through the school and generally there's still a few fish oftentimes you hear you know a lot of the bigger fish are even at the bottom of the school and um, you can pick up some really nice fish even though you see the top water activity but can't quite get them to react to it throwing that carolina rig out there is is a big key and, and can really produce a lot of fish for you this time of year as well i think that actually you guys did that on a show with dave wolak down at lake murray last year where you guys caught some top water fish and then backed it up with a carolina rig and really produced uh, more fish than you would have if you just had to throw in a top water bait all day yeah you, you're right and, and we did and you know really when when those schoolers would come up because you know we have seen this too many times on the graph you see fish obviously that come up to the surface they're schooling on top but then you start paying attention to what's going on beneath the surface and there's underwater schooling activity that's that's taken place there as well because you know not all the time are the bait fish you know present right at the top of the water column a lot of times they're actually going to be down deeper and that's where i think when those fish are holding maybe off of a hump or a brush pile or some piece of structure holding a little bit off the bottom that's where that carolina rig is so deadly yeah that's a great point a lot of the baits that i like to throw on the back of the carolina rig are really subtle moving baits in this type of situation you know, I kind of like the finesse worms without any kind of swimming tail, just something that's going to glide through the water, kind of look like maybe a dying bait fish that's coming back through the uh, more active fish at the top of the school down into the fish that are a little bit lower and closer to the bottom of the school. But I like those real subtle type of presentations. A lot of times those fish are, are highly pressured. Obviously, they're in an active feeding mode, but the action is really generated by multiple fish actions. It's not just one fish, you know, exploding. It's when one goes, they all go. So if you can throw something kind of subtle down through there, it'll it'll kind of 
and type a different type of strike instead of something that where they're really reacting to, that'll be more of like a feeding presentation. And so I think it's a great way to uh, put some additional fish in the boat. Well, all good stuff there. And speaking of ways to target bass, we have Casey Ashley waiting on deck to share his thoughts. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be right back after this to join Casey. You've got the truck. You've got the toys. Now it's time to get the hitch that gives you more time to play with both. It's the toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. You want options? Select the ball size, adjust the height to level the trailer, or stow it out of the way in just seconds. It's 10,000 toe and pounds worth of durability, convenience, and the latest technology that has made B&W famous. The toe and stow receiver hitch by B&W. Call 1-866-BEST-HITCH. Welcome back to The Edge. Brought to you in part by Ditch Witches Zod, establishing a new standard in trencher power and versatility. Welcome back to The Edge. Joining us today is an angler in his junior year on tour that has no idea what it is like to miss the Bassmasters Classic. And that is none other than Casey Ashley. Casey, welcome to The Edge. I appreciate you having me. Well, it's a pleasure to have you, Casey. And, you know, before we kind of dive off into the bass fishing stuff, uh, you know, not only have you had success on the Elite Tour, but uh, you've had some success in the musical career as well. Yeah, I've actually always loved to sing. You know, it started way back when I was a kid. and I started out singing gospel music, and I, I really love country music, and I started doing that, and it kind of all come about. I sang a few, did some tournaments, so I sang the National Anthem, and uh, ESPN and Bass kind of pitched my name around, and it got into the hands of an outdoor music company, and uh, actually Rodney Clawson wrote a song. It's called Fisherman. And I went up to Nashville and got to record it there at Legend Studio, and uh, it's kind of the standstill right now, but the song is... It's a pretty good song, and it's helped me a lot in my fishing career. Well, do you see that uh, kind of continuing and, and going alongside of your fishing career and, and continuing to do some of the things in the music business? Yeah. Um, actually, I'm, I'm kind of working on some stuff right now. I don't really know what or when that's going to be, but I'm kind of excited about doing some more. Well, that is exciting. And, you know, speaking of your past and, and things that led you not only into the music business, but also into the fishing universe, uh, you were quoted as saying that, you were born to fish, and certainly there are a lot of anglers out there who share your sentiment. What does that statement, I guess, really mean to you? Well, fishing is a unique sport. It's not like, you know, football, baseball, basketball. It's really something that you can get other people involved in, you know, kids, uh, family. You can do family outings. You can make it a, a really family-oriented bill and you know on the other side of it if you really love it enough which I did I started fishing at a very young age my dad started me when I was probably four or five years old and it was just um, just the whole concept of the competitive side of it it, uh, it just it really drove me it's hard to imagine doing something other than fishing well you know and, and speaking of kind of the other sports that you bring up football baseball basketball you know it's it's often said that our sport doesn't discriminate on the basis of age or gender and really entering the professional ranks at the age of 23 um you kind of really had to feel that statement was reinforced in your career absolutely all you got to have a driver license a uh, way to get from point a to point b and you know be able to financially cover yourself while you do it i mean they'll, they'll take you on in well and the other thing as far as competition you know there's a lot of us out there that that enjoy certainly competing but it's competition on a different level maybe it's not paying a formal entry fee but rather it's the competition you know against the fish that swims 
beneath the water. And perhaps you could offer up advice for new anglers trying to more or less navigate their way through the sport of bass fishing. Yes, that's very true what you were talking about with uh, it's not really being a competitive edge against another angler. It's the whole drive of trying to figure out what that little green monster wants down there up under the water that you can't see. Uh, you hardly ever see them, you know, you can't tell what they're doing, uh, what they want, what they're eating. You're kind of fishing in the blind, you have to figure it all out, really still not even knowing for sure if you're on the, on the right track. But uh, that was really my drive. It wasn't really angler-to-angler competition, it was uh, angler-to-fish. It really ticked me off, you know, when I was younger, I fished a lot. Uh, go back to my high school days, I fished with my dad at least every weekend. And then in the college, you know, I made my tried to make my schedule where I got out every day at lunch, and I was off on Friday, so I fished at least six days a week, sometimes even three nights a week. So I fished a lot, and I was very fortunate to be able to go that much, but it just really got under my skin when I would go one day, you know, fish 10, 12 hours, 100-degree heat, catch one, sometimes maybe not even get a bite. And uh, that was really what drove me is to go out the next day, you know, try to figure out what I did wrong. And, And even when you do that, you know, even if you're not fishing a tournament, you're just out there trying to learn on your own. When you figure something like that out, you know, a situation or or a pattern, you always put it in the back of your head. And then later on down the road, when you recognize it, you already, you're, you're head up on the game. That is so true. And, you know, going back to something that you just said concerning your college days, did you feel that, you know, I'm I'm amazed at the, I guess, growth of our sport amongst the collegiate fishing. Did you feel that, you know, college helped you and, and really has served you uh, in the sport of bass fishing? Well, I, I went to college. Uh, I got a two-year degree in industrial electronics. That was pretty much what I did for safety. You know, if fishing didn't work out, it was my fallback point. You know, and, and speaking of, of the fallback point, you know, that really relates to uh, fishing in general because, as you well know, Casey, you better have a plan A, plan B, right on down the alphabet when you hit the water. Absolutely. You know, when you go out, Fishing never goes like you want to, even in practice, even if you practice two days before the tournament. You really have to put it all together and figure out what the fish are doing at that time, but you never know when a, when a cold front comes in or, or a lot of rain. Something is going to change those fish, and, and more times than not, A or B never works out in the tournament, so you better have three or four backup plan. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, speaking of those challenges, because obviously we all know, you know, you can't change a weather pattern or put a cold front off until tomorrow. But of those challenges within bass fishing, what would you kind of describe as the short list of qualities or skills that really every angler needs to possess in order to achieve success on the water? Well, the way I go about fishing, you know, I try to keep it simple. All fishing is, I mean, you can listen to a lot of people, but it's it's all in a mindset. It's all about confidence. That's the way I look at it, and, and I keep my, my bait selection, you know, my rod and reels, everything that I use, all my equipment, I keep it down to a minimum. If you looked at my tackle, you'd probably laugh because it's so simple, but, you know, I use uh, a base few colors and just the standard baits that everybody grew up fishing, and it's just what I have confidence in, and everywhere I go, I seem to catch fish on it. And as long as it's working, I'm not going to change anything. Well, and you kind of uh, basically reiterate what Dr. Jay McNamara here on the Edge, who has the the book out, the, the the psychology of exceptional fishing. I mean, that's what he talks about: is that you reach a certain, I guess, fundamental skill, and then beyond that, you better be able to make decisions and kind of process that information and that data that you're given while on the water, and use that to your advantage. Absolutely. I mean, 
just like I was talking about before, you know, going out, figuring out, you know, a day on the water, you only have a weekend and you go out and it's just brutal conditions, cold, uh, and you figure those fish out in that condition. You always remember what you were doing at that point in time, and it's always in the back of your head. And then, you know, later on down the road, when you recognize that, you can you can act on it very quickly. And, you know, I don't really see the point in using hundreds of thousands of different baits. I mean, everybody's got the next best thing, you know, but um, I, just, I just keep it simple. It's what worked for me when I was, you know, learning to fish, worked for me up to this point, and it's probably going to work from now on. You know, it's just, uh, it's all about in your mind, whatever you have confidence in, that's what you need to stick with. Well, and, you know, speaking of, of keeping it simple, I think there's there's also something to be said about, you know, making sure that that information uh, that you are receiving out on the water, do, do you do any type of logging or how do you keep track of all that information that's coming in so that you can reference that down the road? Well, uh, I used to keep a log and write all that stuff down, but, um, you know, I just pretty much go off of memory. Uh, it's not, not real hard to remember when you figure something out because it's so rewarding, you know, you fish for two or three days and you don't really do that well and then all of a sudden you figure out one little thing that you've looked over or never done before and it's always stamped in the back of your mind I can tell you it's like getting a gold in an Olympic game I mean to me that's what it is you know speaking about getting back to the basics and keeping things simple you cite fishing a jig as your primary strength I've got to ask Casey why the love affair of a jig well growing up when I was younger you know I watched the Bassmasters on TV, and the guys I really looked up to were Denny Brower, you know, Tommy Biffle, KBD. They always use a jig, and they've done really well with it. It's a big fish bait, and you really have to get your confidence in it to figure out how to fish it. And, and Denny was who really drove me or inspired me to learn how to fish it. And the way I did, you know, a lot of people always ask, you know, how do you fish it? You don't really fish it any different way than you do a worm or anything like that. It's just all about your confidence. And how I learned to fish it, I had two eyes, both had jigs on it, took everything out of my boat except for a jig and that's how I fished until I got confidence in it you know it's worked up until this point and it's a it's a big fish bait and you can use it many different ways you can use it you know you can swim it that being like a spinner bait or a crankbait or a lipless crankbait or you can fish it in 40 feet of water or you can flip heavy wood with it in two to three four foot of water or you know, it's just a lot of things you can do with that one bait. It's a big fish bait. It's what a lot of tournament guys put their money on. Well, and I, th- I think you hit it on the mark from the standpoint that arguably jigs are one of the most versatile baits on the market. And, let, you know, let's run with a couple of the techniques that you described there. When you say swim a jig, can you elaborate on that just a little bit as well as, you know, the times of the year or maybe the types of structure that you're uh you know, employing that around? Well, swimming a jig, it can be used in a lot of different ways. You know, it can be used for fishing a suspended fish on docks. The thing that I use it for is most is fishing brim, brim patterns. You know, either when the brim are, are spawning or if they're just, you know, up in the shallow, dirty water. I'll just take a, a standard jig, the same jig that I use, you know, to flip wood or fish deep with. I, I don't really get into all that changing the head. I want to be able to go down a bank and and flip it wood, and if I see something I want to swim my jig by, I'll just use the same jig and throw it over there. It can mimic a lot of different things. You know, a crawfish is what a lot of people think a jig is, but a brim is the main thing. That's that's what you're really imitating when you're swimming a jig, is a brim, and a lot of people overlook that aspect of it. Well, and, and that's a good point, because, you know, I would say it's um, pretty uh, commonplace, you know, that most of us are thinking fishing the jig on a bottom, imitating that crayfish, but that brings a whole different bait category and really different opportunities, you know, 
know, by swimming that jig, getting it up in the water column and imitating the brim. And, you know, speaking of, of kind of the jig and, and stereotyping uh, what we see the jig as being used for, there is a stereotype that fish typically are going to be found deep this time of year in the summer. Do you feel that is true, or do you also see that uh, maybe there's always fish found in the shallows? There's always going to be fish shallow, just because of that aspect looking at the brim, because brim are always shallow. But it depends on where you are in the country. It's just a matter of whether you think you can win a tournament doing it or not. And absolutely clear water situations, most of these fish are going to be, you know, 20 to 30 feet of water in the summertime. But the, the thing that I do as far as that shallow bite in the summer you know, out here on the East Coast, even over to Alabama, Arkansas, uh, any reservoir, you're going to have water coming in. And a lot of times the water will be, you know, if it's a river system, it's going to bring bringing the dirty water in. And that's what I will look for on a lake that I've never been to before. I will at least go pick a river, the, the biggest tributary that I can find that's bringing the most water in. Nine times out of ten, it's going to be dirty. And that's how I grew up fishing. That's the first area that I start in picking apart. And most of the time, if you put enough time in in one of those type of areas and you don't do very well, then you know that you need to be fishing deep. Sure. And talk to me a little bit about how you're fishing a jig this time of year and also what type of structure that you're keying in on. I talk about dirty water um, on a reservoir. You know, if you've got a tributary coming in, most places where the water is going to be stained to dirty, it's going to be very shallow. And what you're looking for is some type of deeper water. Uh, it may not be but a foot deep, you know. That might be the deepest part in the in the area that you're fishing. Any type of wood, grass, rock, docks, anything that fish can relate around, not necessarily bass on that aspect of relating to cover. Bass are going to be wherever the bait is. Anything you have in the water, that's where your brim is going to be because they, they feed on algae and they like a hard bottom so they can spawn. Anytime the water temperature comes, you know, 74, 75 degrees, all the way up into the high 80s throughout the summer. If you get a full moon, brim are going to spawn. And that's kind of something that people overlook. And um, in dirty water, you can't really see it. You just have to keep it on your mind. And that's what I look for, you know, even grass. Brim, I love grass. I'll use a heavier jig, you know, to flip that grass. But pretty much I'm using a jig to cover every aspect of that dirty water column. And are you keeping it pretty simple as far as your trailers as well that you're attaching to the end of the jig? Uh, yeah, I mean... I can explain it, you know, like I say zoom because everybody knows what a zoom super chunk looks like, the rabbit ear type chunk. I either use that or like a twin tail grub. That's the only two trailers I ever put on my jig. And I, I keep my jig colors and my trailer co colors very simple. My jig colors I use for my green, you know, clear water application is uh, peanut butter and jelly. That's, you know, your greenish brown. And then I'll use a solid brown, a black and blue, and the water's super, super dirty. I like to throw a black and chartreuse a lot. And for my trailers, all I use is a green pumpkin, black, and sapphire blue. That's the only three colors you'll ever need. Well, and, and certainly it's refreshing to hear, um, you know, keeping it simple, staying to the basics, and, and of course your results speak for themselves. But before we get out of here, I do want you to talk just briefly as far as the terminal tackle, like the rods, the line, uh, that type of thing. With just about everything that you could ever imagine fishing with is you can do it with a, with a seven foot medium heavy rod. I use a, a Fenwick Techno AV. It's a seven foot medium heavy. I use it for swimming a jig, skipping jigs, tipping a jig. Sometimes you know you need that extra length, so I'll use a seven six. You know for for deeper water, you need that that extra leverage to get a better hook on a on a big fish in deep water, and I just use a seven six heavy action flipping stick. 
And um, most time, the only reels I use, I use a Abu Garcia Revo, either a six to four gear ratio or a seven to one. I don't really go any lower than that because it doesn't fit my style. Pretty much 90% of the time, uh, I use fluorocarbon, anywhere from 15 pounds to 25 pound test. 15 pounds is about as low as I go unless it's just super, super clear water. Well, there you have it, and there you are. Casey, unfortunately, we are out of time, but I do want to wish you best of luck in your upcoming tournament, and thank you so much for being part of The Edge. Well, I appreciate you having me. Power. Productivity. Speed. It's the best trencher ever made, not to mention the best plow. Dumper, tiller, backhoe, stump grinder, and tool carrier ever made. The Zahn, the revolution, is here. Now you can harness the full power of your boat electronics and catch more fish. Introducing Electronics 101. Whether a beginner or more advanced, leading electronics instructor Mike Webb shows you how to get the most out of any sonar unit. Common problems and frequently asked questions are covered in detail. Electronics 101 also includes bonus deep fishing tips from industry pros. Master any brand graph. Order your DVD by calling 888-390-8780 or online at BassEdge.com. Hi, this is Jim Tut, and you're listening to The Edge. Well, Kurt, I know this was certainly a conversation that you enjoyed because you're a lot like I am. You love fishing a jig, and more importantly, you like keeping things simple. You know, I really do. Um, and, and it's great to hear from Casey. I mean, you know, he's one of the best fishermen that's up and coming in the Bass Elite Series. You know, he's been on tour for about three years now. He's really been firing the whole place up. This year he's had a, another great year. And uh, it's it's great to hear about different tips and tactics from someone that, that's really had a lot of success with it. You see his success on television. And um, I, I love the way he laid laid out the way he likes to fish a jig. And uh, I have a lot of the same terms. Of course, we all do things a little bit differently. But um, I, I think it was great. I loved it. Yeah, he did a good job. And I, I don't know about you, but I've got to be honest with you, Kurt. You know, you and I are the same age. I kind of felt like we're a little older. Kind of dated ourselves given his age, you know. <laughs> You're exactly right. Uh, obviously, you know, he's he's got enough experience to do really well, and uh, by the time he gets our age, he's going to have that much more. And, uh, man, we, we just have to really look out for him. He's already right with us and, and looking to surge past, but uh, I know with our, uh, <laughs> with our ability, we'll keep right up with him. Sure, and, you know, I, I really thought, I think, not only just his approach and what he had to say about the jig and keeping it simple, but I also like what he had to say about the mental aspects while he's on the water, and it all in his mind comes back to exactly that confidence yeah it it really does you know and and dr j mcnamara you know he covers a lot of that stuff in his book as well and um you know you can read that book and really see where there's a lot of uh crossover where that mental aspect you know relays in the confidence and, and you really need that to be successful in this sport um not only on a weekend level but on a high tournament level like the bass elite series or flw tour but uh, just to go out there and have that right mental attitude when you're approaching a lake on Saturday morning, really, really important. Well, I think I think that was key of what you just said, you know, on Saturday morning. And, of course, I know what you're, you're getting at there. But let's face it, the recreational anglers, the weekend guys that, uh, you know, are out here going bumper to bumper on the boats, they have limited time as well. Yeah, exactly. When they have that time, that's right where I was headed with Saturday morning. You know, you're working Monday through Friday, and then you get it to get out there you know, for five or six hours on Saturday, and, and if you're lucky, a few hours on Sunday as well. 
And uh, again, you've got to you've got to be thinking about those different things that uh, are going to make you successful throughout the limited time you have. O- otherwise, you know, you just kind of walk back home and think about it at work all next week about what you could do differently instead of telling all the good stories about how many fish you caught. That's right. That's right. Well, certainly all good stuff there. Um, but Kurt, we have a listener question this week from Adam all the way out in Antioch, California. And what Adam would like to know is how can he increase his consistency when on the water? Sometimes he can catch them really well, and other times he does not get a bite. Kurt, why don't you help him out? Wow, that's a great question, Aaron. And and, uh, Adam, you know, that's the million-dollar question in this sport. You know, how can you catch them every time out? And it's probably the most difficult thing to do. For you to be able to have success at at some points is is really a positive thing. And and you need to really look at those positive aspects that happen when, when you really catch them well. At the times when you're not doing as well, you need to, I think, look back at your approach of what you were doing when you caught them well. And when I talk about your approach, I mean the whole aspect of the approach. It wasn't just that maybe, let's say you caught them well yesterday, slow rolling a spinnerbait uh, in 10 feet of water or, or something of that nature. It's really what happened for you to get to that point. Not that that spinnerbait got the bite, but how many different things did you try to get there? So when you're attacking it the next day and you're going out and you're not getting bit well, it's important to keep adjusting, keep moving, trying different places. Uh, being from Antioch, California, I know you're, you live and probably fish the Delta quite a bit. Aaron and I have both been there before. And oh, yeah. There's tons of cover out there, a, a vast waterway, toolies, milfoil, rocks, ditches, backs into sloughs. I mean, it's just all kinds of stuff. And really, you need to keep adjusting until you find what works on those days when you're having a tougher time. And, and there's a lot of other variables thrown in um, with different waterways. And possibly, Adam, in your circumstance, uh, you're looking at tidal waterways, so you've got to look at the tides and, and uh, some of those different attributes that can affect the bite. Um, and But even for everybody else that, that has these same problems on different lakes and reservoirs throughout the country, it's really the approach that you take on a daily basis. You need to not worry about how you caught them yesterday, whether it was a shallow bite or a deep bite. You need to continue to adjust, keep an open mind, and figure out the puzzle as the day goes on. And, and each little piece of the puzzle that you put together it might not be the one that solves the puzzle, but each one will advance you to finally solving the puzzle on a daily basis. Well, Kurt, that's certainly good stuff. And, you know, one thing just to kind of throw out there and add to that is, you know, I know Casey, um, he does not keep a log. He had indicated that during our last interview, but I am kind of Mm -hmm. a big record keeper, you know, keeping track of what was going on through my course of the day, even down to, you know, writing the exact time of which I'm catching the fish, measuring the fish, those type of things. So I think you have to have some way to be able to process that data that is coming to you as an angler while you're on the water. And whether that be in memory or in the form of of writing, um, main thing is is make sure that you're paying attention to that so that you can use that again down the road. So thanks so much, uh, Adam, for sending in that question, and you are automatically entered into next week's prize drawing. And, Kurt, thank you for taking time out to to shed some light on that. We are due for another break, and uh, when we get back, we will be joining Jake Davis from Secret Weapon Loops. You know the importance of protecting your investments, so why use anything other than the toughest keel protector for your boat? Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our patented technology. KeelGuard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the most dependable, most trusted keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. KeelGuard keel protectors. Hi, this is Pam Bolton, and you're listening to The Edge. 
We are back on the edge, and the technique of drop shotting is a universal phenomenon in the sport of bass fishing. It offers angler success in targeting unresponsive bass. And with us today is Jake Davis of Secret Weapon Lures. Jake, welcome to the edge. Hey, it's great to be here, Aaron. Uh, how's everything out there going? It is going well, recovering from ICAST, but you know what? Uh, that's all the more reason to be excited and to be able to get out on the water and try some of these uh, new things that I've been able to personally see. And really, that's kind of how you and I met, was actually out there, and you had the ability to show me the recoil rig. But before we kind of dive off into that, um, you are literally in recovery from a fishing-related injury. What in the world happened, Jake? Oh, what happened, Aaron, is Saturday before ICAST, Saturday before ICAST, I was fishing a team tournament in Tennessee here. Being a typical fisherman, you know, I was up all day long, and we were fishing a night tournament and getting and going, and I'd reach down and set a rod down on the deck and went to reach for another one, and just an excruciating pain ran right up my back. Thankfully, I had a partner there to, to grab me before I went overboard into the water, but I spent uh, the week down at ICAST with y'all and didn't think it was that bad. I was, you know, on my feet most of the time, which was a good thing. But we found out today what apparently happened is when I'd been over like that, you know, bass fishermen, we don't think that it's a big physical, extraneous, you know, on our bodies or anything like that, the typical bass fisherman in the afternoon fishing. But I had separated my pelvis from my hip joint, causing just ungodly amount of pain. And any time I would sit down and get back up, I couldn't hardly get back up. But the bottom line comes down to, thankfully, I have two doctors that are bass fishermen themselves, and they sort of gave me an education. And it's an education that I want to pass on to everybody out there. We don't think of bass fishing as a full contact sport like football or even baseball or something along those lines, soccer, but we do need to stretch out for it. And I'm a standing living case of it. I never thought about stretching out, flexing, you know, getting ready for the tournament and you know we're not talking about doing calisthenics just some easy stretching motions of the legs or shoulders to keep these injuries from happening and i always neglected that well in that neglect this is what happened is it was easy as leaning over Aaron, putting a seven foot medium heavy rod on the deck with a carado on it and reaching for another one and dropping to your knees you know you can do this picking a pencil up think about all the strenuous activities we go through during a tournament you know, you're driving your boat down the lake at 65, 70 miles an hour. Some of us a little faster. <laughs> sure, sure. But you're taking the beating. You're up and out of that seat. A lot of us are, it's a springboard reaction, up and out of that seat onto the front deck. And if you look at some of the pros today, and I got thinking back, I was down to the Elite Series on Wheeler, I believe it was, and I was there that morning watching some of the pros. They're sort of stretching out like, you know, stretching like you're just getting up for the morning. Now I know what they were doing. Well, sure, and you they were know, getting it, ready for the day. Absolutely, is what they were getting ready for. But just a word to my fellow anglers out there, everybody, whether you're an elite angler, a weekend angler, or somewhere in between, keep in mind we're going to spend eight to nine hours out there on the water. It's hot, especially here in the summertime. Your body's going through a lot of things. Stay hydrated and take a few minutes before you launch in the morning and just stretch your legs a little bit, like you're back in high school. You know, at a track meet or playing football we always we always stretch for football 
you, you got to stretch out a little bit, and that will prevent a lot of these injuries. Well, that's certainly um, good advice, Jake. And, you know, uh, after all, we stretch out for other sports. I wish you a speedy recovery, and thanks for passing that information on because, obviously, like you said, we got to stay well hydrated, stretch those muscles. We're using muscles that ordinarily we don't use regularly, probably in our other jobs, uh, eight, nine to five jobs. Uh, so to speak. But uh, anyway, wish you the best of luck there. And kind of moving on, because I want to make sure that we have enough time uh, to talk about this recoil rig that I was able to be exposed to down at ICAST. It, I guess the easiest way to do is to kind of turn it over to you and have you briefly explain, because we don't have the benefit of having video here, but what is this recoil rig that is made from this spectastic that we're talking about? Well, what I want everybody to envision out there is your, is your normal drop shot rig. Now, where you put that the sinker in on the drop shot rig below that hook, instead of adding that sinker there, imagine adding a swivel with an easy knot tie on it. It's a, just a slip tie. And then putting a piece of elastic that is, is uh, wrapped in a plastic cord to keep it from breaking. It's like a rubber band, similar to a rubber band. Only we, we put a, we've uh, gone out and engineered a cord to go around it to keep it from breaking, and then putting your sinker on it. And what this does, and I didn't believe it until I seen it, but what it does, it will turn literally any soft plastic into an exceptional panic or live-looking bait. On a drop shot rig, you know, the, the big thing is keep your sinker on the bottom. You don't want that sinker bouncing up and down. This shock cord allows you to keep that sinker on the bottom and work your lure in one place. And, and this is where a lot of guys get hung up with drop shot. They think drop shot is for 30 feet of water and you're working it within 10 feet of the boat uh, out on the bottom. Think about working a dock with a drop shot. You know, you take Randy Howell and David Dudley from FLW, Randy Howell from Bass Elite Series. These guys work this rig and everything from about a foot of water all the way up to 25, 30 feet. And what they're doing is they're fishing targeted small areas. Um, probably the biggest thing a lot of guys can relate to is the weed fields. And I call them weed field uh, down there on Gunnersville, where you're going to fish just that little one or two foot hole out in the patch in, in the center of that. Instead of making repeated casts to it and trying to work your lure and disturbing the water all the time, you put the recoil rig in there on this drop shot, and you can work it in that hole until the fish hits it if you want to. You can you extend your time in the hole and in the bite and, and in the strike zone. Well, and I see it, you know, kind of attack on to what you're saying there. You know, anytime if you think of a dock or a, or a lay down or a weed patch or that has a hole in it, you know, a lot of times you can take something like that and instead of, like you said, having to make multiple casts, you pitch it up next to the object and then sit there and work it, adding action to the bait and let the fish come to the bait. Exactly. And if you think back to that tank we had there at ICAST, I believe we had a big 10-inch worm on in there. Yes. And that was just, you know, everybody would come by and look at that and they'd say, yeah, you're going to work a big 10-inch worm on a drop shot rig. And then you put it in motion. And it is just unbelievable what that big 10-inch worm will do to cause a strike and, and make it look more lifelike. We all do it. We all pitch and flip to weed edges with, you know, Texas rig worms and and whatever else you can find, take it to. It, it allows you to take your lure and your technique to the next level. Absolutely, uh, it teaches your patience and it keeps, like I said, most importantly, it keeps that bait or the lure that you're using in that strike zone. Well, and two other questions before we have to get out of here because we are almost out of time, Jake. But okay. does it come in a standard size, or can the angler customize the length of the leader, or do you even recommend changing the length? Well, we have 
we have put this thing, the, the recoil rig, at, out there to test by numerous anglers, including you know a lot of field testing by our pro staff. The elite angler, Randy Howell, has endorsed it, and he's gone out and tried it. We really recommend the perfect length because it's been that five-inch length that we package it in. Uh, they can get longer lengths. We offer it in a 10-inch length. But what we find is unless it's extremely deep water, or you're using it for a different application, which are several applications you can use this on, you really don't need anything longer than five inches. Well, and when we're talking about five inches, it actually stretches out well beyond five inches. It stretches out to 12 and a half. From five inches, it stretches out to 12. So you work an entire water column or strike zone of anywhere from five, and you're adding another six, seven inches on top of it, max. It, it, it is, and I mean, it was certainly uh, caught my eye. Of course, you know how I like to drop shot, and, and that's why I made kind of a beeline over there to come and look at it. But we are out of time, unfortunately. Um, why don't you tell our listeners how they can find out more information? Give us a website, if you would, please, on where they can actually see this firsthand. They can see videotapes of this and purchase it online at secretweaponlures.com. Uh, and there's a lot of instructional on there from... All the anglers that use it, everybody, you know, from Randy Howell to myself, several BFL anglers, all of our pro staff, and they're free to call any of this anytime. Our numbers are all on there in the pro staff section. If someone needs some help with this or they want some advice on it, shoot me an email, pick up the phone. My phone number's in there. Give me a call. I'm glad to talk to anybody about it. Just be prepared. As you can tell, I like to talk. <laughs> well, there's certainly nothing wrong with that, especially when it comes to catching fish. Jake, we do have to get out of here. Thank you so much for taking time to share this with us and also uh, wish you a speedy recovery on that fishing-related injury. I appreciate it, and you all have a good day now. Now you can order Bass Edge Seasons 1 and 2 on DVD. Own the best resource for tips and techniques in bass fishing is host Aaron Martin tackles lakes across the country with the industry's top pro anglers, including Edwin Evers, Boyd Duckett, Alton Jones, and Pam Martin-Wells. The two sets include all 25 episodes with never-before-seen footage, over three hours of bonus pro angler interviews, bloopers, and highlights. Each two-disc set is just $19.95. Call 1-888-390-8780 or order online at BassEdge.com. That about does it for this week, but before we go, Kurt, we need to announce this week's prize winner. Absolutely. Joe from Shorewood, Illinois is our winner this week. He's going to receive a selection of mothers, waxes, and polishes for keeping his car, truck, and boat looking new and protected. Um, He's also going to get one of those super cool Bass Edge decals that you can put on your truck and and show that you're a Bass Edge supporter. So uh, congratulations, Joe from Shorewood, Illinois. Absolutely. And Kurt, thank you for filling in for Steve today and really to all of our listeners. Thanks for tuning in. Be sure to look for Bass Edge Television on the World Fishing Network each and every day and also on the Outdoor Channel January through June. Also, don't forget to log on to BassEdge.com for the latest tips and a chance to win great prizes. Until next time, I am Aaron Martin. And for Kurt Dove and the rest of the Bass Edge crew, we look forward to seeing you next week right here on The Edge. This week's edition of Bass Edges, The Edge, has been brought to you by B&W Trailer Hitches, Ditch Witch, Mega Wear Keel Guard, O'Reilly Auto Parts, and Legend Boats. For more information on Bass Edge, including our television show, training materials, e-newsletter, and podcast, please visit www.bassedge.com. Be sure to join us next week on The Edge.